Welcome to The Prosper Project, the show that helps entrepreneurs build brands that impact the world and the bottom line. We know that success doesn't come in a one-size-fits-all package. That's why we're bringing you adaptable marketing strategies along with valuable insights from inspiring changemakers, firebrands, and visionaries. I'm Lorraine Sugart, founder of the disruptive brand agency, Prosper for Purpose. Now for this week's episode. And welcome to this edition of The Prosper Project. I'm so excited to have you with me today as I talk to my client, my friend, and someone who inspires me greatly, Hope Caldwell. Hope is the founder, the principal of the KLH Group. It is a luxury destination travel company. Hope is from Boston, Massachusetts, and she has a background in hospitality management, and a passion for serving the underserved. She leads medical missionary trips to Africa annually, and she has been awarded the Local Choice Award for launching the KLH Group, and she's been honored for her social impact. In 2017, Hope founded Doors to Dream, a 501c3, and is working to mentor and employ underserved high school students throughout their school and summer months. And she is also the founder of the Spokes Group, another 501c3, whose mission is to put deserving children on bicycles, promoting health and wellness in the communities. Throughout her hospitality career, Hope has successfully produced luxury corporate events for many Fortune 500 companies. Welcome, Hope. I'm so excited to have you here with me today. It's the longest bio ever. <laughs> well, well you know, you... I'm glad to be here. <laughs> okay, good. That's so great. So I've known you for, gosh, like four years. Does that sound about right? I think that's right. Yeah. And so Hope found us. I don't know how you found Prosper for Purpose, but We hit it off right away. We're very values aligned. Hope's business KLH group is a social impact luxury event business. So she's going to. All of those things. It is. It is. Okay. I can tell I'm embarrassing her. So we're going to pivot over to some questions here. So Hope, take us back. What experience or passion, because we don't typically think of, and I'll just, you know, backstory here. We don't typically think of luxury events and social impact. So I want to like take it back a little bit and talk about what actually inspired you to start a luxury event management company? Mm -hmm. It's funny because I wouldn't call myself bougie, right? And so that's the word that everyone's using these days for luxury, right? It's not something I would call myself. So no, I would not call you bougie either. No, (laughs) no. And so it's the industry that I grew up in now, essentially. And I use those terms very loosely because I grew up, you know, in a very blue collar family, wonderful family in New England, but it's the industry that I grew my career in, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. So it's all I've ever known. And so when um, deciding to start a business, it's the only clientele I knew. And thankfully, Mm -hmm. it's a wonderful clientele. 
know? So what got me started in that, I was bartending, I was slinging drinks, and I met a gentleman who told me about this five-star property that was opening, and he thought I would be a good fit for his logistics company. And I'm one of the crazy ones in the industry that loves logistics, loves transportation and getting people places. And it's like the worst part of the industry, but I love it. It's like a puzzle piece. (laughs) It's, it's a little sickening. Um, And so (laughs) I worked for a logistics company at this five-star property that opened and loved it. And then quickly switched over to destination management for a company that was within this or within this hotel and spent 12 years there. And so, you know, got my teeth in to the luxury destination management and event production business. And in that, during that time, I got to just work with the most amazing, like top of the line clients, you know, fortune 100 companies. And I was 20 something years old, you know, Um, I have this really funny story. I remember saying, calling my dad and telling him like, I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) Like I, honest to God, like these people are saying, using all of these terms and I have no idea what they're talking about. (laughs) And so I I guess I got really good at faking it until I made it. And now, you know, what, Mm. almost 20 years later, now I have a company doing the same thing and teaching the team how to do it. I love it. Full circle. Yeah, no, that's so good. Yeah, I think a lot of us can relate to that moment. Like, who am I and how did I get here? I feel like everyone's talking a foreign language. So for our listeners that may not entirely know, what is the difference between a typical corporate event and a luxury corporate event? It's mm, a great question. You know, luxury is all I know. And so I can walk into a typical, if you're going to use that term, corporate event. And I think it's all in the details. Okay. You know, it's all in the small, smaller details and like quality. Cars, like cars covered with flowers and some of those things. <laughs> if anyone wants a great Instagram, go follow the KLH group because their Instagram is just gorgeous. Well, we're definitely working with some amazing clients that allow us to do that. So that's super (laughs) fun. But yeah, like, you know, and I think one of the important things about creating a luxury event is the feel of it. And I mean, like physical feel. So when we're choosing like linens and napkins and the design Mm. component, the weight of the paper matters, the feel of the linen napkin matters. Like I had this client once who, Lord help me had me order, no joke, like 15 chairs for their site visit so that they could sit in them and feel how they felt and see if they would work for their program in a few months. Wow. And so, yeah, that's the kind of level we're talking of quality, which is really fun. Yeah, I would think it would be really fun. I mean, you and I were talking about discernment before we started recording today, and we were talking about a different kind of discernment. But when you think about luxury, you think about discerning tastes, right? They would know the difference between an okay chair and a great chair, especially if you're going to be sitting in said chair all day. Yeah. And I think that brings up a hard point for me because a lot of the design, like I am not a fancy designer. I'm just not, 
my house is not fancy, bougie, whatever it is. <laughs> and, and I think that was really hard in the early days because decor design is so subjective. And so what I think looks good, somebody else might not think looks good. And it was hard because our offices were in our biggest client's house, basically, and in the resort. Mm. And so it was really like we were working with two different clients. We were working for the client that was in-house and then also working to make sure the hotel enjoyed what we put out there too. And so, yeah, it's a very subjective industry, the design industry. And so you're always working with that too. Great. So here's what I think is super interesting about KLH and what one of the many things that sets you apart. How did you, or I guess let's start with at what point did you determine that you wanted to incorporate social impact into your events? So social impact, you know, it took me forever to even figure out what those terms are. I think I came to you. I really did. I think I came to you and I was like, (laughs) I don't know how to articulate all this stuff that's going on in my head. And oh, yeah, I, yeah. I know what I want to say. I know what I'm feeling, but I do not know how to say it. And I think we came up with the term social impact. Okay. And so it's, when did I first decide that I wanted to incorporate it? Well, I would say, let's see, in 2011, my husband and I got married and in 2012, you mentioned in the bio, we served on our first mission trip to East Africa. And during that time, during that visit, my world was completely rocked. I had just never experienced the magnitude of the need worldwide. And it was my first time to a developing country. Mm -hmm. And, you know, life didn't make sense after that. You know, you hear about it, but when you experience it, it's just, it's different. And you cannot come home and not be changed, in my opinion. And so, it was, I was at a really good point in my career, making plenty of money, just got married, just bought a house. We were going to start the international adoption process. Like it was a good time. Yeah. But for me and my higher power, I dialogued a lot with my higher power at that time. And, and I didn't even know what I was asking, except it was, I don't know how to be of this world that I'm in right now. Like I was very bitter. I was very angry. And it was coming out towards my clients. Like, I don't give a shit that your pillow is hard. Or Uh, I don't care that that the car is too cold. Like things that are expected in the luxury world. I was was being very bitter about. And so I really almost left the industry. I did. I almost left the industry. And had I not been married, I would have moved to Uganda. And thank goodness I didn't. But I knew, I knew, and and I dialogued with some really wise colleagues and friends who said to me, you know, the clientele that you're working with, maybe it's just that the Lord has you in a place where you're called to bring some of this social work to them, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was interesting. It sort of shifted my perspective that some of my work might be in this industry. And it was also simultaneously when I had, I was going through this interview process to work with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation on their giving pledge program. Wow. And which was such an honor. And when I came back from Africa, I won the bid and we started the process of planning this amazing program. And Todd, the gentleman who was heading up the program, I remember taking him to lunch and asking him because his 
role was to advance all travel for the gates. And so in and out of developing countries all the time. And so I said to him, I was like, Todd, I am drowning in this world. Like, what advice do you have for me? And he said, go back. He said, the more you go back, the more you come back, the more you realize the good you can do here. And that afternoon, I was offered a position of leading some of these trips with the nonprofit that we went with. And so I went back twice that same year Wow! and led the trips. And, you know, obviously COVID put a big wrench in what we're doing now, but would go back each year and lead Mm -hmm. these trips. And so, but I knew, I knew I was different and I knew I wanted to, whatever I was going to do, I actually really wanted to incorporate it into the company that I was working for then, but that was not the plan. And so when we fast forward to 2015, when I was thinking about this business and I made the leap to open a company, I knew it had to include something for others. And I also knew that I was really good at destination management work and really good at event planning. It wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. I actually had no idea what I wanted to do when I started this company, which is why the name group is on there because I had no idea. I was like, I'm going to start something. And also I knew that I like, I like to change and I like to add and subtract. I think you and I are the same way. So like under the word group, I could add anything I wanted. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. And sort of this all came together. And if I'm honest, seven years later, I'm still putting it together, but that's how social impact. I just knew it had to be a part of it. And that's how it sort of got going. So tell people about your social impact. So how did you decide what it would look like and how did you choose who to partner with? And then I want you to tell our listeners what you actually do, because my mind was blown when I first learned about this. <laughs> okay. So tell us all the things. Tell us yeah. that process. And then we'll segue into what it actually looks like when a large company comes to Charleston. I don't know if we said that's where you are, but Hope is in Charleston. And, you know, kind of walk us through that ideation and what it looks like. So I think it's really important to note that we have different pillars of business and destination management is one of them. And that's really done in Charleston, South Carolina. So that's where we are based. Event design is another, and that's national. And then the social impact piece is something that's done all over the country. And like a perfect client would say to us, Hope or my team, you know, we want to use you for all of these pillars of business that you use. And so we'd sit with them and we'd say, okay, like we love to incorporate the community into our activities. And so often with the DMC side of things, we're, we're given you know, they say, Hey, we have activities. We have three days of activities we need to fill. What can we do there? And myself and my team know that if we're able to touch a heart while they're visiting a city or while they're on vacation or while they're on a business session, if we're able to impact and move the heart just one degree, we know that we're creating memorable experiences. And that's basically what we're tasked with in every single pillar of our business. How can we outdo the last event and make it memorable? And we believe that the best way to make a memorable experience is to move someone's heart. And so our pilot program, so one thing I always tell my team, and I stole this from a friend of mine, his tagline (laughs) is don't be boring. 
And so I'm like, I don't want to do anything that's boring. You know, like we're only on this life for a very short time. Let's just not be boring. You know, like (laughs) everything we do, let's just like do some fun. And so all of our social impact projects are curated. So there are beautifully done. And so our pilot program, I'll give you an example. Our pilot program, it stemmed from this event I did with this super bougie company in out of New England. And they had been in Charleston at a resort for three days. We did the whole deal. We did the dine arounds. We did the yachts. We did the spa. We did the whole deal. And the final day we picked them up at, I mean, it was like a God awful part of the morning after a big night out and loaded them up on a bus and they were getting ready to fly out. So we had all their luggage and we brought them to this field and they were like, what in the world are we doing here? This is ridiculous. But there was a DJ and there was a super long King's table and there was a James Beard chef. And there was a sommelier and they were having breakfast. So it was like, it's like super fancy, but in the middle of this field. And then right next to the field was this like half built house. And what it was, was it was a Habitat for Humanity project, which, you know, is great. Beautiful work we do with Habitat, but we enhanced it with our luxury vibe to it. And everyone wanted that house, I bet. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so everybody, after they ate, they went and started building the house. And, but what was unique was that the family who was going to be awarded the house, they were also there. Mm. And at the end of like, Mm. you know, it was only about two hours, three hours they had to build and they didn't get that far, frankly, in three hours, how fast can you get to go? The CEO got on the mic and was like, listen, we're going to go ahead and buy this house for this family. He was so impacted by the experience and that event right there was what really stemmed all of our social impact. Oh my gosh. I love that. uh, I loved how everybody could use, you know, step out of their comfort zone. Um, They built something, they touched something. They Mm -hmm. had the recipients in front of them so they could see the impact they were making but it was comfortable. There was a five-star approach to it. And so those are sort of what we make sure are in the mix when we're putting together projects. So when I started KLH Group, I took that idea and I was like, okay, this is all good, but not all of our clients have the time to go on site. So what could we do that's similar to this that we could do inside a ballroom or during a general session or a bunch of women could do during a luncheon Mm -hmm. Or a school could do, you know, you just never know. And so we approached a builder friend and he created a blueprint for us of a clubhouse. And we had a pilot program done where we, (laughs) it's the best. We have to link this video after this call. Okay. Um, I'll I'll put the video in the link. Yeah. It's so good. So this video you'll see, hopefully you'll get to watch it. We reached out to a local nonprofit and said, listen, we need a recipient of this cool clubhouse we're building. And they were like, we have just the kid, this little boy, Trenton. He was living with neuroblastoma, which is pediatric cancer. And he wanted to be a star. And so his camp counselor said, Hope, I was walking by his room during this camp that they do for cancer kiddos. 
And he was singing, the sun will come out tomorrow at the top of his lungs. And she recorded it. And afterwards, Trenton said, Miss Teresa, are you going to make me famous one day and put that video on the internet? And she said, absolutely. So she's like, this is the kid. This is who's going to be your recipient. So I found a bunch of friends who were willing to like go down this crazy rabbit hole with me. (laughs) And they, and I found a venue that donated this beautiful space and we got all the lumber and we just started building it and we timed it and we tweaked it. And Trenton, the little boy and his sister and his mom were there. And the venue was actually at the resort where I started and I had reached out to the resort and I told them what we were doing and they were like, Oh my God, can we put the kids up overnight? Can we send the mom to the spa? Can we send the kids on a dolphin encounter? And so it was, it was during all of this where I was just like, Holy crap, there's something to this. Like, it's not just about our clients. It's about the people who are building, but it's also like inspiring the event industry, you know? And, oh, yeah. and so it was just this ripple effect. And so we built this clubhouse and we created this video. And after we created the video, I sent it to a potential client. He's like, great. I want 20. And, <laughs> <I> want 20? <laughs> and that was our first social impact project. It that's was amazing. Bananas. Yeah, that's, I mean, I know I've heard this story, but it's been a long time and it is just as good the second or third <laughs> or 25th time as it was the first time. That's so incredible. And I think one of the things that you're describing is that if you show people that they can have an impact, that they can make a difference, that they want it, right? It's in front of them. They want it. But what you've done is you've imagined it for them. So it's Mm. very easy to step in and say yes to that. Whereas if you're standing alone in your company, you may be thinking, you know, I do care about other things, but how does that overlap with what I do? And I just want to say to anyone listening, if a luxury corporate event company can bring massive social impact into their events, then really anything is possible. You just have to have that vision, that imagination. And if you don't, talk to your friends, talk to your clients, imagine it together, right? I mean, that is just such an amazing story, Hope. Thanks. I mean, I'd be remiss to say that there are certainly things that I've thrown against the wall and they didn't stick. You know, we've, that's we've just tried part of being a business that's owner, right? right. Yeah. We've tried different projects that don't work, but this one really does. And it's not without risk. Like for instance, we ended up with that client who wanted 20. I was like, let's take it down a level. Let's maybe do 12. And he's like, cool, let's do it. And so after they did it, they built these beautiful clubhouses and I hadn't thought all the way through like how we were going to get them somewhere. And uh-huh. so I had like my friends bring our pickup truck and they called me and they're like, Hope, these things are over a thousand pounds. Like we cannot put these in our pickup trucks. Oh my goodness. And so I was like in tears and I drove to Lowe's and I said a prayer and I walked in and I was like, I found the first guy I could see. And I like started crying. <laughs> I was like, I, I was giving him my pitch and God is so good because it was all, I mean, that guy ended up being 
the head of social impact for the Southeast for Lowe's. No way. And no. halfway through my messy pitch, he's like, Hope, is that your name? It's like, yeah, he's like, <laughs> you can stop. We'll do whatever you need. And now we have a national partnership with Lowe's yes. where they travel all around the country and we can do these. And so for all of you listening, like, how the heck am I going to do it? You don't need to know. You just got to start somewhere. Ah, that's so great. I love that. I love it so much. You are one of the most optimistic business owners I've ever had the honor of working with. And you and I have talked a lot about purpose and about, you know, knowing that you're here for a reason. How has that kept you going over the past couple of years? Because the event industry took a major hit. Yeah. 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 I, Sorry. Did I, call, did I call you crying once? I'm sure I did. Yeah, you did. You did. But that's okay. But that's okay. Because you, you know, you and I, I have paced the halls with you, you know, you and mm-hmm. I have had some really deep discussions about how you keep going mm-hmm. when things are, seem really bleak and your industry, you know, obviously was hit so hard, but mm-hmm. you maintained, you were innovative, you were creative, you were aligned with your purpose the entire time. Like you knew that you were here for a reason. So what kinds of things did you kind of call on during that Mm -hmm. time? And how did you get through it as a business and as an owner? Yeah, I would say there's some practical points there too. But, you know, when COVID hit, at that point, I was operating just myself and another colleague. And it's important to note that, you know, I have a husband and a son and we are all in this company together. So it's our sole income and which is terrifying at days. And when COVID hit, well, even before that, starting a business is terrifying in general. And so (laughs) yeah, there's always this risk of like, what if it fails? And thankfully, and I can say, thankfully, I had so much, I would say financial security was a total idol of mine. I found so much of my self-worth in my financial security and starting a business completely stripped me of that idol completely. And it was awful and it was painful and it was grueling and it was terrifying, but I worked my way out of it through a lot of prayer, through a lot of meditation, through a lot of surrounding myself with other companies and other business owners, other like-minded people, trusted friends. And, but I would say most of it is prayer for me and asking and dialoguing, like what in the world is going on? Like, is this where you want me? And, you know, it ebbed and flowed. And then when COVID hit, I was once again, stripped of all financial security but I wasn't nearly as terrified because I had been through it and it was proven, was proven that like, we're going to be okay. You know, we're going to be okay. If I need to bartend, I can do, actually, I would love to do it. (laughs) It sounds so fun. But my husband and I have had the conversation, like, what do I need to do to make this work? Or what does he need to do? Like, do we need to deliver pizzas? And the humility of it, there was never a skip of a beat of like, we got to do what we got to do. But thankfully, and this is one big piece that I took away from COVID was that we were diversified. Mm -hmm. We did not have all of our eggs in one basket, which allowed for our social impact 
to flourish during COVID while, you know, our other pillars of business were literally zero, literally zero. We still had something happening. And I'll never forget when we ended up going lean, you know, we sold the office and we cut down on, I was able to retain employees. And that was actually something I'm very proud about. I was able to retain my team. And I remember having a conversation. So right before COVID, so it was January and February. So we do this thing in our business where quarterly one team member gets to pick a nonprofit they want to give to. And we give a percentage of our profit to someone that quarter. And it was what, March. So it was, and it was getting close to the end of the quarter. And I had some dollars set aside for the nonprofit. And, you know, probably the smarter thing would have been to hang on to it. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know how long it was going to (laughs) last, but I was dialoguing and I was like, wait, this isn't mine. This money is not mine. And so, uh uh-uh. We're going to do something with it. And if you remember, we ended up buying gift cards for all of, we have a beautiful community called the Clubhouse Community filled with pediatric cancer families. And so we ended up getting gift cards and balloons and just spreading joy with and these I families. Love that. All the photos. I mean, I think I cried every time I looked at one of those. It was just so beautiful. It helped us feel like we could do something while we're here. You know, during, during this COVID thing. So I think the practical pieces is just kind of getting to know yourself and like when it hurts, that means there's growth, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's professionally or personally, there's growth and you got to be thankful for that. I love it. So I always ask my guests, what does it mean for you to prosper? How do you think about that? So in terms of you and I have talked about this and I know that, you know, you measure your impact and that's important to you, but in closing today, before I ask you how people can find you, which I will absolutely do, what does it mean for you to prosper as a person and as a business owner? Yeah, I actually struggle with that question because a lot of what we do in our mastermind is this visualization and I am so learning, so, so, so hard practicing presence, the power of presence Mm, just for today. What am I going to do? And so I'm in this place of just for today, I'm going to be thankful for what I have and not what I don't have, you know? So just for today, what does it mean to prosper? I think I can answer that, you know? I love that. Yeah. And so just for today, what does it mean to prosper? It means to me that my team of now six, which is wild, mind blowing. I know that I'm a support for them. It's beautiful. Just for today, it means that I just went on a date with my husband and we played tennis from nine to 10. Like that's a big step for me to be out of the office, you know, just for today. It's just the little things that I am doing to prosper. And that's all I can do. It's all I can focus on right now. I love that. And I like your idea of presence as well. I think that's mm-hmm. beautiful. So tell us what KLH stands for, because I love that story. And then tell people where they can find you and learn more about your luxury event services. <laughs> so KLH, so when I started this business, I should say my husband and I, we had just invited our son, Liam, home from China. 
And he was just such a big part of me needing to be close to him. And so Ken is my husband. Liam is my son and I am Hope. So it's a family business. So we are the KLH and I already told you about groups. Yeah. So there you go. I love it. <laughs> and our website is klhgroup.co. And we are on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. And yeah, that's what I got. That's what you got. Well, you've got a lot more than that. Hope you continue to inspire me. Thank you so much for being my guest today on the Prosper Project. Thank you. Everyone, we'll see you next week with another episode. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Prosper Project. If you want to grow a peerless, profitable brand, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you find value in our show, please help us reach others by sharing an episode and leaving a review. In appreciation, please visit prosperforpurpose.com for more free resources to help you grow your business.